podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Massive thank you to NordVPN for sponsoring this episode of Lakeside Drive. Tommy T, we know that NordVPN is exceptionally good. That's why we were using it before they even started sponsoring us. It's true. I actually get a really good deal on my NBA subscription every year because I change my location to somewhere cheaper. If you want to save money on whatever your favourite sport is, that might be on an NBA subscription or even F1 TV Pro, you can go to nordvpn.com forward slash Lakeside Drive to get a very special deal just for Lakeside Drive listeners and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash Lakeside Drive right now to get yourself protected online. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the exceptionally boring race that was the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, currently occupied with an empty chair because Campy doesn't know how to start his Hilux, and Tommy T. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. How you doing? Very, very well. It's great to have your company to listener wherever you're listening all across the world. A specific shout out to you if you're listening on the Sunshine Coast. Tommy T. Oh, I tell you what, this race was just terrible. <laughs> oh, I don't even know where to start. There's nothing to talk about. It was useless. Do we need a podcast? At all. Not only do we need a podcast, I mean, A, we've been sitting here for 45 minutes waiting for Campy, yes. <laughs> who uh, can't start his Hilux, um, can't get it out of front wheel drive, um, can't put it in MGUH <laughs> to, to get himself here. Um, did your car start well this morning? Perfectly, yeah. Yes. My Ranger started fine. Yeah. Um, that's what you get for drop, buying a Hilux, I suppose. Yep. Uh, let's start, though, at the very beginning, TT, the national anthem. I'm not sure if you saw this. Oh, goodness me. Um, Campio did log on to the Discord for about three and a half seconds just to <laughs> comment that this was a very commie sounding anthem because it was in a minor key. Uh-huh, um, which is his favourite. But imagine the Azerbaijani flag, right? Yep. You've got the blue, the green, the red, and the white in the middle. I think mm. it's a star or something. Um, and that was how the singers set themselves up. But they, Brilliant. But they did a costume change halfway through. So they were in like this light brown thing and then they sort of like inverted their capes or whatever and then it was the flag colour. It's oh. fine. Um, so, look, it was interesting. It was 1,000% of bloody like lip synced, which <laughs> is never good at the, at the best of times. Um, and I, st- I feel like we always forget about the anthem until we get to the anthem. We're like, oh, this is a very Eurovision-y sounding kind of situation. <laughs> Eurovision-y? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> no, I did miss it. So I can't really comment, but I think anthems in general, we haven't had many good ones this year. No. No, apart from ours, of course. Yes. Um, but even then it was done poorly. <laughs> yes, that's what I mean. Like I don't know if there's been a standout. In the past we've had some rock anthems. Oh, and the some... dude on the guitar, was that Austria when we had the double yeah. header with the Styrian Grand yes. Prix and he came out and just absolutely crushed it. Yeah. Uh, yes, it was a very, look, who knows. Um, at least we get the US anthem one yeah. of three times this weekend um, underwater uh, at Miami, which will be very exciting. <laughs> uh, let's start with the probably the biggest thing that was the most exciting slash most dangerous thing that happened, which was the very last lap. Yeah. And the official photographers that had all accreditation and everything yep. else in the vests on standing in the way of Esteban Ocon as he was coming in on lap 51. Now, fair enough. No one expects, no. firstly, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Secondly, no one expects the fact that <laughs> Alpine were actually going to pit him um, and they were going to be smart enough. I think everyone was like, oh, well, they've just forgotten. 
Yeah, or they just, I suppose, like, is a photographer really paying attention to the race in that detail or is their job get content? But no, but they were, it's not even that point. The FIA yeah. allowed them to go there. Yeah. There was a point, there is a, an image, if you want to go onto Twitter, you can just search Formula One and, and it will come up with this. But there's the one of the images is two of the FIA officials in like the, the outfit um, starting to pull the rope barrier across yeah, yeah. the pit lane. And they went, oh, here comes Anne Carr. Yeah. Like I just, it's mind blowing to me that we're still happening. It, may, it almost is worse than the Australian nonsense because these people were given permission. And properly dangerous, properly dangerous. Like that car is coming in. Yes, there's a pit limit for, for reasons, I suppose, not this exactly, but mm. if someone happens to be in the pit. But yeah, that's that's a very dangerous situation we could have had on our hands. Luckily, there's a good line of sight and Esteban could make that call mm. and people could see coming. It's not like he has a horn. It's not like he has lights <laughs> he can flash at people. No, but I mean the stewards, uh, sorry, the marshals have whistles to yeah. blow. Um, and I think what probably was the most terrifying is there was one guy right towards the back who was almost hit mm. because I think a whistle blew behind him and he looked behind mm. him and then turned to the right and would have yep. had, and I was the same. I would have shit myself oh. looking to my right and seeing this blue guppy fish coming towards you. You just jump really high though, and surely like it'll just sail underneath you. <laughs> <laughs> just clear it. <laughs> That's how that works. No, it's yeah. not a Red Bull video, oh, TT. Okay. It's Alpine, so <laughs> it won't flip. work. <laughs> Do a flip. Uh, which is very, very just the whole thing's bizarre. very bizarre. Let's start. Uh, that was the most interesting thing though, let's be honest. I, can't, I cannot believe that no firstly, well, let's say this though. No red flags. Good thing. Good thing. Because it was on at 9 p.m. Um, on the eastern side of, of the country, so you didn't have to have some kind of stupid red flag ongoing. And considering pretty much every other session across the weekend yep. had red flags, that was a bit of a shock. Uh, but I think from a, a point of view of the excitement, I think everyone was just more confused because yep. of the sprint day yeah. <laughs> and free practice. And um, I know you listened to the episode that I did with Freya, but uh, one of the things that I kept thinking of, and especially for like Nick DeVries, as much as everyone's layering all of this hate on him, yeah. dude had one pre-practice session. Genuinely. And then drove yep. the car in anger. Yep. Uh, and then put into what? So he hadn't had a lot of experience yep. on the thing. And I think to me that shows also from a safety point of view, having these pre-practice sessions isn't actually a bad thing because it gives the teams more data, but it also gives drivers confidence back in the car again. Yeah. And that, that was kind of a point we made originally when we talked about the reducing of practice and and this new sprint format was the lack of time in the car. We mm. already were reducing this time with the sprints format last time. I think it's even worse now because at least you had that second free practice on the day before the sprint to to kind of utilize that time. Now that it's just a quality, it's not fact-finding time. You're not getting data that's as usable as let's do a long run. Like well pointed out that through the sprint was the first time that those cars had probably had that kind of fuel load. Very different car to drive, different conditions, different time of day, and you haven't had that data source. Also, let's remember the rookies probably haven't driven here in this kind of equipment. So for them to jump out, like maybe in some junior, I don't even know if Baku has any kind of other race series. So like to not have had practice in a street circuit as tight as this is, you've had one practice session and it probably wasn't run that well because of red flags, et cetera, Mm. as well. To then go out and go, all right, full tilt, let's do it. <laughs> it's bizarre to think that that is like the safest way to operate. You are spot on, my friend. I think that is the whole thing. The whole thing could work, mm. but not if we just had three week break, which is what we've had. Yeah, that's another point. Difficult circuit, you know, car the tire compounds the softest that we've seen in in the lineup 
yep. for the entire season. Lots of things that just wa- weren't really clicking for a lot of different people. Um, although, t- to be fair to the rookies in Oscar Piastri, didn't make a mistake all weekend and was yeah. sick. So I think that also shows the caliber difference probably between Nick, yeah. Logan, and Oscar. Yeah. So that's a good thing for us Melbourne boys. Let's go through a team-by-team analysis, TT. Uh, Alfa Romeo, unfortunately, to start right at the very back. Um, but let's start with Valtteri Bottas, who I just showed you a small oh, clip of. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um there is an interview that I did uh, last week that will be coming out next week with uh, Tiffany Cromwell, which was great to chat. I didn't realize that um, Valtteri was still at home. They were at their place in Finland. Uh, this is like 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, their time. And I could hear all these zips in the background and everything else. And Tiffany's like, oh, just one second. Valtteri's about to leave. I'll just I'll say goodbye. And he just appears in frame. It's like... <laughs> Hi, mate. Sorry, got to go to Baku. <laughs> so bizarre. Anyway, very fun. Um, Valtteri, though, I I said this to Freya TT. I can't help but supporting people that clearly love being in the last five positions. Oh, man. It's gone from Daniel to Valtteri. What is going on? I mean, it's not his talent. It's like in the same way that it wasn't Daniel's talent hasn't yep. disappeared. It's the car or it must oh, be doing something that he's not happy with. For sure. And I think tried some alternative strategy stuff, really put it on the line to try and risk it all for that one in a million kind of opportunity, but it just did not go his way at all. Tried multiple compounds, try and see if there was an advantage, nothing. Yeah. Just just not the weekend for him and for, for Alpha. Yeah, and I mean, Joe ended up having a DNF as well, retiring with an issue. He had a <sighs> tough weekend in general, really. Yeah, but I mean, like, to be honest, Joe was outperforming mm. Valtteri and again whether that's a specific thing one of the things is interesting I think with like even from thinking about that free practice one session point of view and then sprints we saw Nico Hockenberg start from the pit lane because yep. they were in park firm conditions he yeah. wasn't happy with the setup of the car so they decided to change which stopped the graining of his tires which helped a whole lot so again it's not a lot of time to set up your car in yeah. the correct way um, and Karun Chandok actually had a really good point in that. He said, you know, I like to just see tweaks with Park Ferme conditions, which I think is, is a good point. It's a great call. Um, yep. And for, for these guys right down the very back, it's hard. Yeah. And that's what we mentioned when we first heard about this sprint format change, which also, can we point out, was very late. Very late. Like, why are we making such a drastic change Tuesday. to an F1 weekend? That it, I mean, I'm sure the teams had some knowledge of this leading up, but we found out together that this was happening less than a week before it actually happening. And that's wild for this quite dramatic change in format for for the watcher. But then things that we didn't have clarity on was like, was Park Ferme going to exist from that qualifying session on the Friday? And it did. So from that point, when you qualified for the race, your car is now locked, sealed. You can replace like for like if it's damaged, but there is no adjusting after one practice session, which is unheard of. So people who've made the wrong call like Nico did have to then sacrifice and go to the pit. I don't think that's what we want to see. We want to see cars set up the best they can for ultimate driving performance. I just feel stunned, I think, after yeah. the weekend. Like, it doesn't feel like a normal race weekend to me. There was no natural progression. And maybe this is like, I don't like change version of my <laughs> brain coming out. Uh, yeah. But it just, it still feels odd and would feel odd for these drivers too. So Alfa Romeo, it's a shame. I mean, I really want to see these these guys do well. And to be perfectly honest, and I think I've said this a couple of times now, including on the Discord, is I really see Valtteri and DR lining up next to each other with the, with the view of that Audi launch in 2026 not that far away um Alfa Romeo departs the sport at the end of this year and Sauber becomes Sauber for that that few years yeah but Audi will be heavily investing 
in that team For ahead sure. of the launch in 2026. Let's talk about Williams now. Uh, Logan Sargent ended up in 16th and Albon finished in 12th, which I think is really disappointing because mm. he had such a strong weekend, TT, yep. for a lot of the weekend. It felt like that Williams really deserved points here. It did, and that was the call I made last week, wasn't it, that I thought they would be strong. And they were. I think they were. I think circumstance, I think that early pit stop, the early safety car where everyone pitted for hards really just – threw a spanner in that because they couldn't be competitive. They are quite good on their tyres from memory uh, because they are quite low draggy. So it was just one of those ones, the situation that unfolded just didn't work in their favour. Um, but again, like strong performance from Albon and I think we will see some some good points finishes for him. It was a bit of a shame, I think. I mean, Albon squeezed Piastri that pushed it into um, VB, which made him lose five places in yep. that second corner. But I think... What it shows, though, if you look at the onboard footage of Albon, is the way that he had that acceleration immediately. So it had a bit yeah. of an issue, a bit of a punt with the McLaren, but was able to continue to put the foot down. Williams seems to me like they've, they are actually progressing in a, in a better direction. Yes. And they're doing it with Albon in mind, yep. really creating a car around him. Yeah, I think he's the focal point for sure, which makes sense. He's the experienced driver. And, and Sargent's been solid, like not his weekend. He had some mistakes throughout, but that's to be expected with, like we're saying, limited time, 100%. limited practice, yep. quite a different environment to be driving in, uh, I think, all considering not not the worst. No, and again, I just don't think we can fairly criticise these all. rookies uh, for, for this environment. Uh, let's keep going. We'll talk about AlphaTauri now and, and Nick DeVries um, specifically. It was a bit of an odd position where he, yeah. he but he, I mean, he clipped the wall from the outside to then go into that way, which we didn't see to begin with. It just kind of looked like he was yes. parked that way, but his front left was pointing in all of the different directions, which instead of the one it should have been. Um, tough weekend for them. Yep. Um, Sonoda, though, finishing in the points in 10th, um, but otherwise his his weekend was marred by red flags and, you know, I think yeah. it, was, it was a second or two seconds away from oh, completing I, I that lap. Put, that was one of the notes I had was how unlucky and, like, is there anything you can change in that regulation? Because him crossing the line at speed, there's no danger in that because the red flag incident is well behind him. Mm. It seems odd to punish, but this has happened forever with red flags. It seems, it has. could you not hard sector, like yellow flag, that sector, let people continue their lap after that point, but no new lap starting kind of thing. No, I, I think you're right. You do it. Well, like, it, it would be the be race director. Lap. Yeah. It'd be the race director controlling and being able to say, okay, well, the people coming up to the accident site, For double sure. waved yellows. For sure. Um, but sector if three or whatever. Passed it, yeah. You know, keep going and then we'll red flag. Because that could have really changed his hundred percent. His weekend completely if his yep. position change was there. But maybe I think FIA will probably say oh, the stewards would say, look, you know, safety over all. Safety's over everything. We're not going to care. It is one of those ones that he just was unlucky with. There probably is room, though, to have a bit of situational awareness yeah. about when flags are thrown. Certainly mm. for people behind, okay, that's fine. Again, double wave yellow exists for a reason. But people through the incident. Yeah, I think uh, it's fair enough. But Alpha Tauri, though, mm. the big story for the week is that Franz Tost is departing at the end of yeah. this year. Uh, I think everyone's like, oh, this seems to be very odd timing. He's being booted out. Uh, Laurent Rossi from Ferrari, who is the guy that sat next to Matteo Bonotto yep. for a lot of Drive to Survive. You'll all remember that. Um, <laughs> the guy with the glasses and the curly hair, Frenchman yep. as well. Uh, so he he will go to the, that squad as the team principal at the end of the year. Um, but the great thing is Francis like, 
guys, I'm just too old for this shit now. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, there's, there's no story here. Yeah. I'm yeah. just done. What a legend. No, he's, he's been around for a long time and has done really well with that team, I think, considering what, to, to even have it as a debate that that might be a sister team as opposed to a junior team is is credit enough to his his ability and what he's done for that team. 100%. And I think from a point of view of it really just being that feeder team, the junior team for such a long time, he has had some incredible talent come through Definitely. his doors. Yeah. I mean, he was he started Toro Rosso yep. out of Minardi. So probably him and Campy have those matching <laughs> Parkers. <laughs> um, but now he ha- they both now have the AlphaTauri trench coat too, which would be great. Uh, but I think it's I think it's fantastic for, for him to be able to say, look, this is going to be my last year. But to say, yeah. So early on, too, I think is a good thing because it yes. gives him enough time to celebrate the rest of the year. Um, hopefully, the car is able to be developed in such a way that he's able to have some joy again. But realistically, the, the two wins at home for them in Monza with yeah. Seb Vettel and Pierre Gasly would be abs- for a team that is not supposed to be winning races. Sure. I think unbelievable, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you think like how many times Ferrari would like to win there, and <laughs> <laughs> you've got. Uh, it's yeah. still a home team. The other but, Italian but team. Yeah, but they're not they're not the Italian team, no, are they? Yeah, no. yeah. I think that's a nice spatter in the works. Yeah, I think I think you're right for that. Let's talk about Haas now. Uh Nico Hulkenberg in 17th and Kevin Magnussen in 13th. It's not really indicative of the pace, I think, for for Hulk, especially. But I just I mean, we, we spoke about the reason why Hulk started from the pit lane. Mm. Uh he didn't pit for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, hope is not a strategy, but that's what I they mean, were, that's what was. they that's what they deployed. <laughs> I think they wrote that down. <laughs> hope is a strategy. Bernie was like, "This the strategy is hope." <laughs> um, sorry, very quick sidebar. How brilliant is it to have her on cons? Uh, although I don't need David Croft to say former head of racing strategy every at time. Aston Martin Racing every single time. Yeah. Say it once, dude, yeah. and then just move on. Um, just former strategist is excellent. Like that's it. Doesn't need. Anything more than that? Well, we could just say Bernie. Yeah. We don't say Corinne Chandok. We put it in the wall in a catering <laughs> in Australia, do we? We should. Don't need to. Maybe, Maybe we, we should. should. Maybe we should. Um, <laughs> Damon Hill, who <laughs> appears on too many branded Formula One podcasts and Sky Sports and Channel 10, and can we please employ somebody else? That'd be great. And Nico Rosberg. Um, oh, we won't God. say it. <laughs> we won't even say it. Goodness me. Anyway, <laughs> Bernie, great. Um, here she comes with approvals and uh, approvals. It comes with facts, I should say. Yeah. Um, and completely will throw like, uh, Karuna, I disagree. Yeah, like I love it. Hard love it. line. Yep. No, this is what's happening. And I'm sure that happens within teams as well. So it's good to yes. see that like even the commentators who are very experienced and knowledgeable can still disagree on opinions because mm. this sport is changing Every second, mm. and someone like Bernie, who's been working in the sport for so long, has probably the best knowledge of how strategy would oh. work. Why would we question that? And what I really enjoyed, there was no grid walk uh, this weekend, but what I really enjoyed was her up the front talking with drivers. Yes. So talking with Lando and, you know, the George Lando thing, and I was like, oh, you know, whose side are you on? The Max Verstappen thing, which we'll talk about that in a little bit, Whatever. I'm sure. Um, but Bernie was asking, like, ah, oh, so tyres. It, you know, proper strategy questions. And I think it's probably a breath of fresh air for the drivers because yep. instead of talking about all of the drama, and mm. yeah, I know that some of you listen, um, some of you listening really love that drama too. And there is an element of that too, but it's hard often to get real 
kind of conversation yep. on the broadcast. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of great journalism going on, but For sure. I don't read. Not to jump ahead like into the maxing too soon, but I really like the explanation of like that was a, a Red Bull stuff up because they made the call to pit, not to say pit window open, leaving it in the driver's hands, which is what usually happens. Yes. That was a really nice insight that I had no idea of. Instead of saying you should pit now because there was no safety car actually yep. deployed it was like safety car window there's a chance it's coming keep your eyes out if it yep. happens you make the call yeah and i mean brilliant at, at like that's day, such a piece of information that we can now understand like how things work behind the scenes yeah yeah at the end of the day hannah is a brilliant strategist and to be able to get that insight from another brilliant brilliant strategist to, to help yeah us understand the sport oh. better fantastic we will come back to to red bull in a bit but yeah for, for hulkenberg i think 17th is unfortunate for him because yeah. he was able to hold on for a very long time and then oh, he wasn't he had to pit, yeah. <laughs> just really really dropped yep. off very quickly um and k-mag in 13th i mean he had a better time but not by much yep just collecting data back to his collecting data phase <laughs> he's just picking up grosjean's yeah level of doing things because like there was nothing to point to that was very disappointing but there was no, no actual yeah. moments there was no glimmer of like oh there's there's a lot of performance here the only thing that would be is his car setup was the one that hulk ended up choosing mm. so again data specialist doing really well from that aspect but the actual raw raceability was was lacking i guess let's talk about mclaren now oscar piastri finishing just outside the points in 11th and lando norris in ninth there were some upgrades that have been brought along this weekend tommy we've T. been hearing about these upgrades haven't we <laughs> I'm sure the wind tunnel is to thank for them. Um, Two tenths was the claim. Yeah, and apparently two tenths later on in the year, which won't matter when everyone else has got seven tenths by that time. Yeah, right. (laughs) Isn't that what we're expecting from everybody? Literally everyone. Hopefully. But a points finish from McLaren is, you know, the second race in a row that they've managed that. Yep. Um, Unfortunately, not for for Oscar. But again, Oscar was sick for most of the weekend. So for his performance from a rookie point of view, but also from the point of view of just looking at how much of a dog of yeah. a car this has been. Even like, let's talk about qualifying. I think he was yeah. stooge in qualifying by his team, if anything. Lando was unable to qualify. It's in the sprint more so. In, in the sprint, he was unable to go into Q3 because Lando pipped him in time but didn't have the tyres to compete, which, by the way, do we think is a very stupid rule that you must have brand new slicks? Yeah. It, to me, again, it, it just forms part of this sprint day yeah. format thing it feels like a way to to have 10 cars able to go through to sq3 and then only nine on track because oh well this guy doesn't have tires whereas <laughs> in normal qualifying you get given tires when you hit q3 well there's no tire there's no requirement <laughs> yeah. anymore so suddenly we've gone back to requirements for tires yeah. in a in a set it's like why do we bring this back we didn't need to we're making a very complex sport much more complex and maybe more complex than it needs to be i think for for the casual viewer but no i think Lando had a solid outing. I think that performance has definitely helped, but I think your your point stands that is this enough in general? They're already behind. They've now maybe caught up to where everyone else was at the start of the season. They're still behind. They're they're not where they should be uh, for where we probably view that team and their development and their projection for the last couple of years. They should be much higher than this. We'll get back to our team-by-team analysis in just a moment, but I'd like to take an opportunity to thank our sponsor for this episode, Quadlock and Tommy T. Your case is on the way, by the way. Yes. I I have got a mail notification that it's probably going to arrive today, um, so I'll get it to you later. But the good news is they've just released this brand new uh, accessory for the case, which is the the Mag Wallet, which sits on the back 
securely Talk to me. with the magnet seat. So I can carry between one to three cards, which you feel like, okay, maybe that's not all that's that all many, but that's all you need. Think yep. about it. You don't need the 5,000 cards. That's well, because I have an board. iPhone, I still need to carry my mic here around. So that's <laughs> yeah, exactly no. what I want to use it for. Specifically in Victoria, it's a pain. If you live literally anywhere else in the world, you can still use your phone, your iPhone to pay for things, including Sydney, which is ridiculous. But there you go. But this mag wallet looks bloody fantastic. Uh, and, of course, it is compatible with the mag rings, different colored rings here. Um, and there's a gray one and a blue one coming. And because you're the only person here. In, Definitely blue. Yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah. I was going to give you the blue anyway. Um, but it looks fantastic. I, I, and the one thing is, TT, is um, since picking this case up and obviously working with Podlock for, for this podcast, it's been great to sort of put the case down or put the phone down and then people go, oh, I've been thinking about buying one of those. What's it like? Yeah. And like genuinely being able to say, it's actually very you good. get one. It Have feels very good too. Yeah. I can't, it just, anyway. Um, massive thank you to Quadlock, of course, as always, for sponsoring this. And if you want to look after your phone and support the show, you can head to the link in the show notes to go and get yourself anything from Quadlock. If you've already got a Quadlock case, there are so many accessories yep. now that you can get to make your life a little bit easier and keep your phone protected. So go to the show notes, uh, click the link, get yourself protected with Quadlock, and a massive thank you again to Quadlock for sponsoring this episode. Tommy T, let's start back again with the team that I said yesterday I just don't care about anymore, which is Alpine. (laughs) Gasly 14th, Ocon 15th. I completely agree. I actually said before we started recording, I don't, I can't remember if it was a dream or if it was like a daze or whatever it was, but I had a thought or a dream that Gasly just up and left out of F1 because <laughs> he was that dumb with Alpine. <laughs> and I don't think that's too far uh-huh. from the truth. I just love that you're dreaming about this stuff. It's just so fantastic. Well, Cammy and I both dream about Gasly and we message about <laughs> it frequently. It is something we have in common. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the mental imagery. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Uh, but it, just <sighs> such a forgettable, yep. like, average weekend on all accounts. It absolutely was. The only reason really why we're talking about Espen Ocon is because of the photographers in the pit yeah. lane, not because there's necessarily anything special. I think one of the, the things that, yes, we can say is that Hulkenberg and, and more specifically Ocon at the end of the race were able to hold on yeah. for as long as they were, which was impressive. But yeah. that's not the Williams of Alex Albon finishing no. in the points at Australia last year impressive. No. It's just, again, hope is a strategy, clearly for this guy well, as and well. Based on last year's performance, you go, you should be. <laughs> like, that's where you should be. Yeah. Um, it just, I, don't, I don't know. That team is floundering. Yeah, and I... I said this yesterday. I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts. To me, it's the first time in a very long time that the team hasn't had a top tier solid driver, mm. and then you know, oh God, <laughs> or whoever. Um, and I think as as much as we do love Pierre Gasly, clearly the car isn't doing what he wants it to do yep. for, for either Ocon. I mean, Ocon's talented enough as well, but with performances like this. It is very underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, there was an issue for Gasly in FP1. Um, and because of the format of the weekend, maybe that's completely throwing them out. But it just doesn't feel like there's any oomph to this team anymore. No. Severely lacking. Um, you just think if Alonso was back in this team, how different that would be. Or if Daniel was back in this team, how different that would be. Mm. There's no drive. There's no leadership from the driver's side of things. They're both kind of beta kind of personalities, I would say, that are just kind of floating through and doing a good job, but (laughs) that team is not getting dragged in any discernible direction and it's showing, I think. Look, 
I'd like to be proven wrong uh, by Alpine. And I think from maybe the internal stuff that's still working out between these two drivers as to who's actually leading the team will be interesting to know. We know that there's history there. It wasn't necessarily good history going into this season between them both, but it will be interesting to continue. We know that Alpine, formerly Renault, has had some really good pace Mm. and track-specific environments where they're able to perform. Potentially, Baku City Circuit just isn't one of those tracks. but. We will see what happens with them in the future. Let's talk about Mercedes now, TT. Uh, George Russell in eighth and Lewis Hamilton in sixth. Can I just get your take on the Max Verstappen, George Russell incident, Um, George creating a a hole in the side pod of Max Verstappen's Red Bull in the sprint? I think it is what it is. I do like the – it's racing. Like I don't think there's any intentional stuff there. It's racing. Mm. Uh, But I do like the pettiness of Max and – uh, Lambiasi. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. the, the under the breath comments and yeah. stuff. He's like, I love that stuff. Like, yeah. just, just the comment, what do you think did it? Like, back to Max <laughs> in the car. We've got some floor damage. What from? <laughs> oh, what do you think? Like, I, I love that. And I think that is like the perfect amount of pettiness. And I think it was pointed out that whole conversation was done for the stewards' benefit yes. more so than anything that it's on record. People might hear it. It's evidence now banked. Uh, yeah. It, it. What are we talking about? Like, again, if it was flipped and Max had hit George, the same reaction from the Mercedes side. So I, I, neither is holier than the other. Like, no. Let's relax. They're both competitive. <laughs> They're both fighting for every single inch. Yeah, I think George probably was a bit cheeky and squeezed, but, like, it's a street track. Like, yeah. That's, that's your – On the opening lap. Yeah. Like, don't be there, Max. Like, yeah. either yield if you don't want to damage your car or be ahead. Like, yeah. I think they're your options in a straight track. You can choose to to be as risky or safe as you like. And he chose that option. And that was the option. It was unfortunately the, the circumstance he was put himself in. Mercedes looked fairly strong towards the beginning of the weekend. Didn't yep. really turn out that way. Lewis Hamilton finishing in six, kind of a bit of a, a no man's land race. Is it another tyre kind of thing? It, I think tires is their big Achilles heel at the moment is in the past, Mercedes have been brilliant on their tires, had the ability to go much longer than the competition to, to finish races uh, on like single compounds and switch from a, a two stop to a one stop on like the drop of a hat, just because they want to make it work. That is not happening anymore. They are rinsing through those tires to the fact where, I think it was Alonso was following behind saying Hamilton's tires are cooked. He's like, let's just sit back. We don't need to beat him now. He's going to beat himself. <laughs> he's he's going to be pitting very soon. Those are graining already. Yeah, it is interesting to see because they have glimpses of this form of dominance where they put in a brilliant lap in qualifying yep. or they'll start pulling out pace. But the response from Red Bull is always like, you know, one and a half times better than whatever yeah, they can do. I know. And they just can't escape that. I start getting the feeling, to be honest, that, you know, I think Toto's probably aware that they're not going to be winning a championship anytime soon. They're yep. probably going to have to wait to 2026 new regulations again. Yep. And lots of questions being asked of Lewis Hamilton, you know, are you going to stay? Are you going to go? Go where? Like, but where, A, where else would he go? But B, yep. I feel like Toto's like starting to feel real bad about the whole situation. So maybe he's like trying to be like, it's okay, Lewis, if you go, it's fine. Like we totally understand. Yeah. Like I would understand why he wouldn't want to be here. Anyway, who knows? Tough situation because, I mean, and there was conversations throughout the week and that he he wants that last championship, which who wouldn't in mm. that situation? Like he's brilliant and he probably deserves to be an eight-time world champion. Unfortunately, 
it wasn't the case and they probably feel robbed because it came down to the last lap of the last race of that season. But is that car or is that team anywhere near close to a championship winning car or opportunity to win that? No. I don't think they're close to winning our constructors, let alone like a single standalone drivers. I think, uh, like you said, new regulations. So that's a 40-something-year-old Hamilton at that stage. Yeah. Um, which is not not out of the question. Well, we've like seen you look at, Yeah, you, mm. see, you see Alonso and his ability. So if, if Lewis wants it enough, but does he have the, the stamina to kind of go through this – low period of Mercedes uh, for that regulation change to come. It'll be very interesting to see, I think. I mean, I like how Hamilton has been driving oh, recently too. This is some of my favorite Hamilton. Yeah. Like, I, I, it's it's really hard because his dominance was just so dominating. It was frustrating to watch yes. and it was annoying. And it's mm. uh, like, on, to be honest, it's similar to Max now is mm. when Max is on and dominating the field, it's like, it's not exciting to watch. I mm. want to see battles. I want to see. You want to see the battle channel. I do. <laughs> don't. The battle channel. <laughs> but I think seeing Lewis scrap and fight and do really interesting overtaking maneuvers and the way he's managing his race is actually quite exciting to see how brilliant that guy is at driving. Speaking about amazing overtakes, one of the only other things that was bloody exciting about was this overtakes? race was, was Fernando Alonso on the inside of Carlos Sainz into turn four of hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the placement of that car was yeah. phenomenal. Um, Aston Martin, Fernando finishing in fourth, unfortunately, wasn't a podium place for him, but Ferrari did look a lot stronger than they have done in, in the yeah. first three races. Lance Stroll finishing in seventh. They had this issue with DRS they couldn't get sorted out. Yeah. Interesting. I think it's what's something on their side of things, not the, mm. not the, uh, the, not the system. The, yeah, not the not system the that goes system. the GPS that goes yeah. down in, in Melbourne. Because kind of frustrating. But, but to be honest, like qualified quite well considering. Yes. If you think how much drag that would be creating down that enormous straight to qualify where they did for the Sunday race was quite impressive, to be honest. And for Fernando Alonso to get on the radio and say, I think I've found the brake bias situation that makes me happiest, please pass that on to Lance as we discussed. Yeah. Like, who is this guy? Well, even Lance. Like, I'm surprised it came from Lance. He's like, tell Alonso I'm not trying to race him. We're in this situation together trying to clear Hamilton. Let's just work together. And I'm just trying to sit in your dare ass. Who is this? It's actually incredibly impressive. Oh. And realistically, the only time I think in recent memory that I've seen proper teamwork yeah. like this without someone having a bit of a An passive-aggressive or, whinge. Yeah, I mean, mm. Alonso's response was funny. He's like, he can race me if he wants, but he's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but but for, for, for Lance especially to say that, it doesn't seem like he's a team player in, in many aspects. Often we see him quite kind of rough with how he talks to the mm, team mm. in any communication. But for that kind of message to come through to saying, tell tell Alonso I'm not trying to race him. I'm just trying to stick in his DRS. Like I understand the situation. It's just like Alonso can then go, okay, cool. Right. We're in this together. Let's get through this phase. Let's clear Hamilton or do what we need to do and conserve tires for however long. Like that's brilliant teamwork. You think about the some of the teammates that he's had in the past, you know, in the previous history has been Seb Vettel. Checo Perez mm. uh, and others. <laughs> I can't think of now in terms of where he was he at Williams, probably Sergei Sorokin or someone. Um, it, it, he's had some pretty decent yes, in the other garage kind of drivers, um, but I don't think anyone's probably invested in, my, in him this much on track. Potentially they have and we just maybe haven't heard it, but I think if you take the 
the Lawrence Stroll factor away from this mm. as much as, you know, maybe he gets a new Aston Martin for one of his family members every time he helps the Lance on track or something. Um, Fernando is, I think, just entering this era where he's not frightening. When we talk about Max Verstappen being frustrated at, at George Russell, let's yep. not forget, you know, the GP2 engine, the Honda McLaren era, yeah. uh, Jensen and, and Fernando driving yep. that terrible car around together he hasn't had a, the best of luck those two world championships that he run, won with Renault were oh, phenomenal an outstanding performance from himself yeah but now he's driven for half of the grid yeah uh, I think over the half of the grid it, it's a era for Fernando that I wasn't ever expecting no but I think it's so great for the sport more generally mm. and for up-and-coming drivers who are maybe seeing this kind of behavior and saying, well, this yep. is how it's working. And kind of taken over from that Uncle Seb that we've just lost. Uh, I think he's filling those shoes quite well to start this year. Let's go on to Ferrari. Carlos Sainz in fifth and Charles Leclerc finishing on the podium in third. Uh, Sainz just couldn't Mate. get together at all this weekend. I worry. I worry that this is just setting a, a horrible precedent for the season and that he's going to be yet again... Clearly the two driver. Um, it was probably going to be the case anyway, but mm. it's kind of set in stone after things like this and especially the way that Leclerc's uh, weekend kind of set itself out. He was the most competitive driver other than the Red Bulls. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Ferrari seemed like they found something, didn't yeah. they? Bring, be it upgrades or just whatever it is, or maybe it's track specific again, um, as we've spoken about a couple of times for different teams today. But, Charles did look like he was the, the best of the rest yeah. this weekend. Oh, for sure. Outside of Red Bulls, of course, because once they get past, it's like, bye. Yeah. See you later. Um, but he'd be a bit sort of buoyant by that, I think, because, yeah. you know, he last year had a really good start and then had a terrible rest of the round. Uh, and rounds. just to have like a somewhat clean weekend, he's mm. had a couple of unfortunate things out of his control, maybe yes. the team stuff up, the the mechanical side of things hasn't been great for him. But for him to put together two really good qualifying sessions uh, and perform well in the race, considering that car is not as raceable as the others, I think he'll be pretty happy he did what he could do. Good for the Tifosi, good for the sport, good for Charles. Uh, yep. He ends up on the podium again in Spotify third. listens, I guess. I have not listened to that song yet. I need Neither. To I want to hear that. your opinion later in this week if that's possible. All right, Can we'll I do that. Yeah, we'll get a Charles <laughs> music review. I used to be. I used to write for Fairfax. I used yeah. to write music reviews. Um, now I just get ChatGPT to do it for me. All <laughs> <laughs> journalists do. Uh, okay, let's finish up with, with Red Bull. Um Perez, dominant here, the first multiple winner of Azerbaijan uh, in first, of course, and Max Verstappen in second. The safety car was the big element here yeah. of, of where that laid. Well, I'm very glad that Red Bull didn't try and switch them back again, even though yes. it's a safety car thing. And even Max said it on the radio. Well, there's not much you can do about it. It is what it is. But Checo's kind of come into the floor a bit here. Yep. No, he's been, he's been really solid. Like, you can't, you can't take that away from him. Yes, he's got the best machinery, but... At the end of the day, you've got to put those results in. Like you can't win the race. There's no there's no extra points for winning it by more seconds or more distance. Like it's a win is a win. And he's performed really well this week. He does seem to like street tracks. So I think we, we should pay pay attention to that. Um is he gonna go back to Monaco? Is that something that we're looking at? Because I know Max would love to get that Monaco win uh away from him, but yeah, it's it's very interesting to see. I don't think that power dynamic shifted anyway. I think Max is gold star number one driver in that team. <laughs> but 
while they can. They're not having to really play favorites, not really having to maneuver anything behind the scenes as a team yet. They're just happy to let it run, let them walk away with the constructors uh, as soon as they possibly can. And then they'll let them race and we'll see, see what happens. But uh, I think I think Max has been quite responsible with it. He's not really freaking out about points. He knows how many more races there are. He knows he'll be dominant through a lot of them. And little things like this, banking second is pretty damn good for points. Max Verstappen leads the championship standings at the moment on 93 points and Sergio Perez on 87. Fernando Alonso in third on 60. Uh, he'll still be there. I think Fernando will yeah. still be around uh, and it will be great news for him. In terms of constructors, Red Bull Racing, 180 points. That's what I mean. Second is Aston on 87. Yeah, they're not mucking around. They're almost 100 points clear. They're just trying to walk away with it. Let's sew it up by the mid-season break. Yeah. And then we can figure out the drivers. Oh, absolutely. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. Let's go across to our Discord server now for the Discord comment of the week. Our Discord comment for the week comes from Still Nugget. Uh, with uh, the photographers being in the pit lane, he said that Andrew Westacott is typing his email to the FIA as we speak. <laughs> yes, Australia was bad, but that was also pretty bad. Uh, at least Australia was just people who couldn't be controlled running around the track. Yes. Uh, these people were told that they could be there. They had lanyards. They had absolute lanyards and bibs. Yeah. If you're wearing a bib, God, you're just Be the better. most official person, more so than high vis uh, <laughs> is, is probably the vibe. Fantasy. Let's take a look also now at our fantasy team name competition. 120 of you in the league. Uh, excitingly, Campy is no longer first. I was going to say, that's the most important thing, not the name. He's names. second. He's Campy not winning. Uh, <laughs> I'm in 15th and you are unfortunately in 60th. Killing uh, it. That's better than last you're year probably. You're literally halfway. See? You're uh, in the middle of the mid-pack. Um, you lift up the, the, the podcast in every other sense, but not when it comes <laughs> to this. Uh, um, a couple of the names that have been updated since yesterday. My neck, my back, LMP, and my crack. <laughs> that is, put that on the short list for the end of the year. Uh, I'm glad you didn't put that full thing in so I could say that. It was very good. Uh, Swalonzo. Can you also <laughs> reference, see no references to Taylor Swift and Fernando Alonso in this episode? Um, hopefully, you've got it all out of your system now. We can move on. Um, yeah. Debris on track, uh, which is true in all senses of the word for mm. Nick and for his debris. Uh, Lake side pod. Hey. Which is very clever. I actually very much enjoyed that. Hello. Uh, popping Pirellis. That didn't happen this year because uh, Max Verstappen didn't have to kick a car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, give me a kid. Turn up Bernie's mic. I'm putting this back in here because, yes, she is brilliant. Mm. That either turn down the volume of the race yeah. so that she can speak clearly or turn up just her microphone. Support. It's just a very easy audio um, situation there, team. Come on. Um, another race, another account. Someone else like losing their login <laughs> for it as well. Uh, well, that's it for this episode massive thank you to you tommy t for being on time and for the coffee and for your car working um i'd say shout out to cambi but no no don't because he lives on the end of the earth as well so he <laughs> has to wait to <laughs> RSV to go out and see him. Uh, put it in mguh 
campy. That's how you get it into yeah. gear. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating or review. It genuinely helps algorithm. There are about 1.3 million Formula One podcasts out there at the moment, and uh, we love doing this for you. We are here for you all. Well, that's it, as I said, for this episode, but we do have Miami coming up this mm-hmm. weekend. Um, it will be uh, underwater. Do we have a correspondent over in Miami? I think we do have a correspondent who might be coming live from Miami. (laughs) It's Freya Brolsma. (laughs) Can't wait. In my best, the Fox hit FM. Yeah. (laughs) What's up, boys? But yes, keep keep an ear out for that. And uh, next week after Miami Grand Prix, we will do a full race review. Maybe Campy will be here. Maybe he won't. We'll see if his car starts. Uh, But you will hear a brilliant chat with Tiffany Cromwell. That's it. Uh, We'll see you next time on Lakeside Drive. Great. Smooth is what I would say when it's just you (laughs) and I. It's just no Campy. It's just no edits. Brilliant. Top tail done. Done. Happen if he comes midway. We'll just plug him in. Does it work that way? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out together. <laughs> you and I will Let's find Let's learn out. together. <laughs> learn by do. Uh, Usually you say, in this week's episode. <laughs> no, I need to do an advertisement first. And then you say that. Sports Social Podcast Network.